Hello, and welcome to Plot Chris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about In the Prince's Bed by Sabrina Jeffries. And this is book one in the Royal Brotherhood series. This was published in 2004. I don't think I'm giving much away to say I didn't adore the book, mm -hmm. but man, the premise is fun, and it's I can't wait to talk about super it. Super fun. And especially the premise for the series as a whole. Yeah. So I'm really excited to read the next two. Yeah. Because... Sometimes I'm really excited to read subsequent books because I like the author or yeah. I like the characters. And this one, I'm excited to read the next two because I like the premise. Yeah, this this premise is really fun. So let's get right into it with the book jacket. Miss Catherine Merivale is desperate to make a respectable match. If only her childhood sweetheart would propose. Until he does, she can't touch her fortune she's inherited. So the last thing she needs is notorious rogue Alec Black putting her proposed marriage at risk with his distracting, smoldering gaze and moonlit kisses. Alec, the Earl of Iversley, and one of three bastard sons of the Prince of Wales, is secretly searching for an heiress bride to pay his debts. Fiery Catherine seems the answer to his prayers, and her passionate response to his proactive seduction soon assures him that she is his. But Alex knows Catherine is looking for a love match, and he wonders what will happen when she discovers his deception. Question, right off the bat. Why is his name Alec? His name's Alexander. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. He was in he was in Portugal. Maybe they can't say X. <laughs> That's totally bullshit. I have no idea why. I mean, spoiler that. alert, Meg. <laughs> Portugal. Meg, he was in Portugal. It's right. not a spoiler. That comes out in the first in the in the prologue. Mm. So, spoiler for the prologue. <laughs> As usual, we generated a random number and then used that number to generate our own summaries. So this week, that random number is forty-one. Here's my summary. Alec wants to marry Catherine for her money, but not just for her money, seriously. Catherine also wants to marry someone for her money. It's complicated. But not someone who wants to marry her for her money. Are you confused yet? Yeah. Um, my 41 word summary. Two hot people who are really into each other and have what the other needs refuse to have an honest discussion and thus everything is drawn out. Very cool concepts about the prince's unacknowledged bastards banding together to improve their lots. Yeah. Great. You can tell what appealed to me about this book. Just like <laughs> right off the bat. All right, bat. fine. These two people are cool, whatever. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the premise really quickly. Okay, so um, Catherine, to explain Meg's summary in a little bit more detail, inherited a fortune from her grandfather that she only inherits upon her marriage. Right. Her family, after her father's passing, became pretty impoverished. So they are well titled well-connected they're well-connected but low on funds yes until she can wed. until she gets married and so she's got this childhood friend who is an aristocrat he's a baronet so he's not part of the aristocracy well, i've been doing a lot of research because i want to make sure i got my all right shit together like i said so, yeah. meg is better at this than i am so, so technically he's a commoner but he has a title right so he's titled and he because of an overbearing mama Two overbearing mamas. To her understanding. Yeah. He's refusing to make it official. Yeah. I and mean, he they, knows yes. that she doesn't get her funds yes. until he proposes yes. or they get married. But the rest of society doesn't know she's an heiress. Yes. So the only people who know that she's going to get all this money are her, her mother and their solicitors, and then her fiance, um, Sydney, Sir Sydney. Yes. And I don't even know if his mother knows. His mother might know, but he, she might not. So they're putting on airs like the world doesn't know they're poor. Yes. But Sydney knows they're poor. Sydney knows they're poor. 
And he knows that he can fix all of this just by making their unofficial understanding official and getting married. Yes. And she knows it's not a love match. Like, she loves him. As a friend. She doesn't think it's a grand passion. No. But she's not waiting for one. No. Like, she is really content with the idea of marrying him. She knows a handsome friendship, like a handsome man with a good friendship, is more than a lot of women get. Mm -hmm. And she is totally happy to go along with her mother's schemes to get the family money. Yeah. And she, I mean, she likes Sydney. She and Sydney grow on together. Like, they really enjoy He's a poet, and she's his muse. Yeah. And, like, legitimately, he writes odes to her that aren't bad. Exactly. Good, good poetry, too. Not bad poetry. And she likes it. Yeah. She likes being the center of his attention because he's sort of described as one of those people where when his focus is on you, you have all of it. Yeah. It's when he's not there. Yeah. And the reasons he's not maybe always thinking about her when she's not there are explored a little bit in this book, and we'll get to it. We will get to it. Now, Alex's backstory, by contrast, as Meg spoiled, he was in Portugal. <laughs> he was in Portugal. But why? But why? Okay, so this is the premise that Lane really liked. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing. When Alec was young, what, 15 or something, he decided to play a prank with some school friends and go and pretend to be the Prince of Wales. Now, it turns out that Alec's father, his natural father, is actually the Prince of Wales. So he is his father, his legitimate father, the father in his eyes of the world, um, got real pissed off and banished him to his uncle's, his mother's sister's husband's place in Portugal. So he gets shipped off. He has to leave Eton or Harrow or wherever the heck he was. He was Eton. Yeah. You know, one of those prep schools. And then he has to go to Portugal where he doesn't even get uh, an allowance. And more devastatingly to him, he's cut off from his mother. Correct. Yeah. And she ends up, this is a very early spoiler, yeah. um, she ends up dying while he's in Portugal well, he's and in Portugal. he's not even informed. And so he's got this horrible reputation as yeah. the son who didn't even come home when his mother was dying or died, who was cavorting off around the continent, having yeah. all this fun and spending all this money and like the his father's estates are in disarray. disarray. His father was a gambler and a ne'er-do-well who, and so was his grandfather before him, who yeah. like decimated the lands yeah. and the holdings. And so he sort of inherited the reputation of his family as well as being like an uncaring, distant son. Of course it's unfair. Of course it's unfair. Because, you know, he was banished. Yeah. And he took up an occupation. Yes. On the continent. He wasn't cavorting. He just prefers to let people believe he was cavorting. Because if he lets them know that he was working for pay, they will know that he is poor. And he was working in military service. So he's also like... Wanted by the military who wants to recruit him. Right. He is not an officer. No. That's the thing, you know. And so that's that's the other issue. Like he is he was the is was the heir to an earldom. Now he is the earl, and you know he was working. He was not an officer. So all this stuff would tell the discerning eye that he is not rich. And because this is a romance novel, it also behooves us to discuss his relations with women while on the continent. Yeah. Which were, he's got this reputation as a rake and a carouser and like... Yeah. And he, he's not without experience. But you know, when one's working and in military encampments, there aren't many options and he wasn't really inclined to share. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Of course. He... <laughs> so he's, yeah. So, so he's not as terrible. Not as seasoned or rakish. As one might 
believe. Um, so he comes back to the continent when he inherits the earldom. Yeah, so he comes back to England from the continent. From, sorry, mm-hmm. comes back to England from the continent, and he is destitute. Yeah. And the only way to fix his lands, he decides, is through marriage. Right. But because he's been banished, and his father was an asshole, no one wants to associate with him. So he decides he's going to take advantage of being the bastard son of the Prince Regent, or the Prince of Wales. Yeah. And now this Prince of Wales has a jillion bastards. He has a jillion bastards, and he takes care of most of them. But the ones who he has rejected or doesn't know about, Alec makes the decision to band together and have a discussion about how they can benefit one another. And this is the part of the book that I think Lane really likes. Yes. And so one of his bastard brothers is one of the people Catherine's father was indebted to. Yeah. And so he knows Catherine's financial situation. Right. And is able to let Alec in on the... Yeah. well-kept secret yeah. that she is an heiress of substantial rights. So Alec doesn't want money from his brothers. So his brothers are both very well off. He doesn't want money from them. He wants something else that they can provide. So he wants information about society from Byrne, uh, and he wants to use the carriage of Draker. Yes. Yeah. And, he, and as you said, he also wants information and sort of a camaraderie, like the, yeah, and they're going to decide what they want from him in the future. Exactly, exactly. Basically, he's like, "I will owe you favors, and I will be an Earl of Means. Yeah. I will be in a position to grant them. Yes, and and we will be a family for each other. So we do not have family. We will make a found family. Yes. Now the other two are known bastards of the prince. Yes. Alex surprises them. Right. By outing himself. Right. So it's not known in the eyes of society that his father was not his natural father. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think that explains the conflict here. Ooh, that explains the conflict. So Let's talk We've got a lot of tropes that we touched on we in that. We do. We do. But before we move on, we, we touched on this, but how does he stay in shape? What is Gentleman Jackson's Get Pumped Workout Plan for Prinny's by blows? Really not described. Horses. Yeah. Basically horses. Like, and in fairness to him... He's not just, like, riding around the lawns. He was actually, like, a showman and, like, yeah. a military cavalry expert. Yeah. And this is, like, major plot points here. Like, he does lots of really cool horse stuff. Like, so, like trick riding. And- usually I laugh when they stay in shape just with horses. He gets a pass. Yeah, he gets a pass. But also... Horses. Kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, tropes. All right, so clearly he's a fortune hunter. Yes, we've and got the fortune hunter show. She's hunting her own fortune. She is She is sort of a fortune hunter, so I guess sort of sort of turned the trope on his head because she wants to get access to her money too. But she's only... not seeking a husband for his money. She's, she's seeking, seeking a husband, husband for, for her, her own money. money. Yeah. Um, she has the quintessential overbearing marriage-minded mama. Which has been in the since Jane Austen's time, obviously. Right. Um, and I actually really kind of liked her mother as a character. Yeah. 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 Um, they all, all of them, all of the parents are tragic. So her mother might be alive and overbearing, but she also is part of the reason why they need so much money. Right. And her mother is somewhat resentful of her because it was her mother's father who left 
Mm-hmm. Catherine the Fortune. Yeah. And so the reason they're destitute is because her father left her nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we all know on his side, you know, he, he was illegitimate. So his mother um, cuckled at his father. And then there's even more that comes out later that's very eye-rolly and ridiculous that I'm not going to get into. No, we don't want to spoil that because it's um, actually pretty significant. Yeah. But suffice it to say, neither of them had happy homes. Yeah. Um, so his house is the dilapidated pile. Right. <laughs> like grand, but in such disrepair, yeah. boarded up windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she's ruined by him. Yes. And that's what initially prompts them to make it official in the eyes of society. Yes. But it's a little bit subverted. Yeah. Like she's not willing to marry him just because she's ruined. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, what are the magic words that fix everything? I love you. I love you too, Lane. I love you. <sighs> um, um, and then, of course, uh, this goes along with the whole fortune hunter trope, but um, they're, both of them are faking their wealth. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is, I just want to say that for me, this is one of my least favorite tropes is the marriage hunter trope. I just really don't enjoy it. And I think it's because my favorite part about romance novels is watching the relationship develop and seeing how they interact with each other. And with the marriage hunter, excuse me, with the, with the fortune hunter trope, everything about the relationship is based on a lie. Right. Now, most of the time. I've read some versions of the fortune hunter trump where they're both aware he's a fortune hunter. Right. And if they're or both aware of it, hunter, that's right. fine. But I, to me, that doesn't feel like the fortune hunter trope. That's okay. be, it's being subverted in some way. Because, okay. you know? Uh, I mean, you guys know one of my favorites is Amanda Quick. My least favorite of her books is Surrender, the marriage hunter, the fortune, the fortune hunter one. Yeah. And then I was just realizing this because, look, we both just have recently been reading Laura Lee Gurk, and we've just loved her. And I was like, why haven't I read her before? And I realized that the first book I ever read by her was um, The Wicked Ways of a Duke, and it was the fortune hunter one. Hmm. And I was like, no wonder I didn't read more. Yeah, and I think for me it's twofold. One, a fortune hunter plot inherently is based on dishonesty, and that's not sexy. But they also typically get drawn out a lot longer oh, than they, a lot of yes. other conflicts. Yes. Like, and this one does that to a T. To avoid spoilers, like, she eventually decides to tell him she's rich, and the lies just keep piling on. Oh, my like, God, this yeah. This would have been the moment. And it's you get why he doesn't, but it just means the plot drags and drags and drags. Yeah. It just, that's the thing. I realized that, like, it, he does not, like, he, you, he, you don't find out about the Fortune Hunter thing until, like, literally the second to last chapter. Yeah. You know, like, it lasted forever and ever. So that's, for all, the, this wasn't the worst version of the Fortune Hunter trope no. I've read, though. Like, so no. preface it, neither of us like this trope. Yeah. But these characters had real personalities. Yeah. That, they were legitimately conflicted by it. You bought their connection. Yes. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's the thing that, that you really bought was that they they both really liked each other. Yes. You know? So it was tolerable. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing about this book I didn't love, and I don't know if I should put this under offensiveness or here, it's a spoiler. Yes. So, like, fast forward a minute if you care, but it's not a spoiler about their relationship. So her friend, childhood friend, who's the poet, is part of his reluctance to commit to her is that he's in love with his best male friend. Right. And the best male friend is openly in love with him mm-hmm. and is pursuing him and is trying to convince him to run away. Yeah. And he's 
resisting his desire and won't admit to himself how badly he wants it. And I did not like the way this was handled. Yeah. Um, you actually get random sections from his perspective. You do. You get some random sections from Sydney's perspective. The only scenes in the book where neither Catherine or Alec are present are Sydney grappling with his love affair. Yeah. And it felt really out of place. Yeah. And I get that this was written in 2004. And so this might've been progressive as heck then. I mean, clearly it was before the legalization of gay marriage mm-hmm. and all of that, so I don't know how much to contextualize it in criticizing it. Right. But now it feels very ham-fisted. Yeah. And not organic, and it's not like he ever opens up to her. No. They make a lot of, like, he and his paramour make a lot of cutting comments about, like, needing to hide themselves and run right. away. And so it's not really empowering, and it's almost, like, it would be belittling to the heroine if he was interested in another woman. I don't. I just didn't love it. I didn't love the depiction of gay men. I didn't love the depiction of how they had to handle it. And I didn't love yeah. that you like had actual breaks from the story. Yeah. To go into their like gay sadness. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't love it. I also didn't hate it. Hates a strong. You like, know, it was there. Like it, it wasn't. It, and I don't think it's the worst handling of um, gayness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I mean, at this time, you could technically be put to death. Sure. For. But being gay. It didn't serve the a this, this is true. All. Like, that's this just is it. True. It's not that it's the worst handling I've ever seen. It's that it did not affect Catherine and Alec at all. Except for the fact that... I mean, I think she was trying to come up with a reason why Sydney didn't want to marry her. You know? And, and you're right. It could yeah. have been another woman. But even if, like, the answer was he was gay, I didn't need the, like, six scenes from his perspective. Yeah. Like, you could have just had him have this best friend and then tell her in the end, I'm going off with my best friend. Yeah. And she probably wouldn't have questioned it. Like, well, I, yeah. And you could have like made it subtle so the reader picked up what was yeah. going down. But I think the issue with that would have been that if, if it nothing had been from his perspective, you would have been like, is she trying to imply that she's gay, that he's gay? Is this bad? Is this good? I don't know. So I, I don't it just, it added nothing for me. I don't know how she could have made it better. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Which, Which, so I don't think it's offensive in and of itself. Like it either needed to be fleshed out more or cut. Yes. That's kind of where I come down. Like it yeah. needed to be a part of the plot. Which is fair. I think that's fair. Or it needed to be cut. I think it's very fair. Okay. So we've already alluded to this, but this book is extremely angsty. Yeah. Um, it's it's. They're both in dire straits. It's angsty because they are both lying to each other a little bit. And both poor. And both poor. Um, I think the saving grace is that, again, it's not the relationship that causes the angst. Mm -hmm. Like, very quickly he realizes that he prefers her to any other woman. Very quickly she realizes that, yeah, the feelings she had for for Sydney were not true love romantic love in any way um when they hook up so they're like sexual romantic hookups are not angsty no at all which is great uh, you you know by now if you listen to us that we just hate it when they have sex and then it turns into like an angsty conversation Ugh, the worst yeah right okay. so it, it, it there was some plus for sure yeah um yeah, I, I I kept reading it and I kept being surprised at how long the Fortune Hunter secret was kept. Yes, it went on too long. 
Yeah. And the resolution as a whole was sort of eye rolly. Oh, for sure. And not in a fun way. No. Like it sort no, of no. lost me in the yeah. resolution. Yeah. Except, of course, so there is this part that I did really like where he's having um, lunch with his brothers. So his unacknowledged bastards. Yeah. And she eavesdrops. She hears him talking about her. And they're like, what are you going to do? And he's like, look, I can't marry anyone but Catherine. So I guess I'm just going to have to go back to my estates and blah, blah, blah. And like, yes, I do realize that this 100% serves the fortune hunter plot that she overhears them. And she's like, oh, obviously he really doesn't want me for my money because he's going to, you know, whatever. But I still loved it. Yeah. No, that part was good. The final resolution between the two of them yeah, was yeah, fine. Yeah. But the the part with her mother and the fortune oh, yeah. secret coming out and all of that, I was just like, ah, I'm done. Yeah. Get get me to the end. Get me back to the sex. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, let's talk let's talk about offensiveness. Okay. And then we'll get to the sex. So there's a scene where he ruins her, as we alluded mm-hmm. to earlier. And you know, they're at a party, they go out in the gardens, mm-hmm. and he's sort of made the decision that for reasons of practicality and desire, he can't wait any yeah. longer to publicly be affianced yeah. to her. And, I mean, she's already privately agreed to marry him. Yes, but he's not... And she wanted to tell Sydney herself. She wanted to tell her mother herself. Yeah. And so he gets jealous and then forces the issue in an orangery. Yes. And ruins her. And it is a little... Yes is not yes. Yeah. And no is yes. Yeah. I mean, she's saying no. Yeah. Completely, honestly, quite a few of the scenes are like this. Like, at the yeah. be- especially at the beginning, um, like just a lot of the makeouts and the kissing. Like, she's like, no, I don't want to kiss you. And he's like, no, I think you do want to kiss me because blah, blah, blah. And then they kiss. And like, yes, she does want to kiss him. So it's very but she's much. articulating no. Right. Exactly. So it's very much no. It's not even no means no. It's no doesn't mean no. No means keep pushing until she says yes. Yeah. Which is not, which is obviously not enthusiastic consent. And couple that in the first scene where he's also being driven by like possessive jealous rage Mm -hmm. and it wasn't in a good way. Right. Like I'm totally willing to make concessions that sometimes the idea of like somebody belonging to someone else can be romantic. Not in this scene. Yeah. It's very much like possession and ownership, not desire. Yeah. And he thinks about Sydney a lot while they're hooking up, <laughs> which like compounds it. I'm like, are you sure you're not the one into Sydney? All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's there's not offensive stuff in terms of like ba- tragic backstories or like mm-hmm. stuff happening to characters. Yeah, like no sexual abuse, no rape. But the sex is not as consensual yes. as I would like. With that caveat. It's sexy. It's sexy. <laughs> like, with the caveat that, like, there's a little, especially the early scenes, mm-hmm. are a little squicky. Mm-hmm. So she has this book. <laughs> the, the premise here is what wins it for me. Not just the premise great. with the brothers. But so she has this book that's, like, the rules of being a rake or whatever. Yeah. And the, the rake's rhetoric. Yeah, rake's rhetoric. And so it was her father. She found it in his library. And not only does it say, like, all the things rakes do to pursue women and so she's comparing Alex's behavior to this book the whole yeah. time the back of it is like a Kama Sutra basically yeah. and so she's been like oh my god people do that and so that book ends up being not just a plot point but sort of like a guide for them yeah. where they're like let's try this yes and I was 
but and it was I, really fun and that's yes. just it like it for all that the book is angsty and even the conflict is angsty this book both with her like quoting it to him yes. to criticize him and them using it as sexual inspiration was so fun well and i think it addresses one of lane's issues that often happens with like the virgin heroine yes that she's like very innocent and like very surprised about sex in general and like oh he's going to introduce her to the sexual arts and blah 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 well in this case he's like dang she sure knows a lot about sex and then he finds out finds this book and he's like well that's why <laughs> she's just been checking out some porn for a while you know <laughs> hanging out you know but it i think it addresses that that issue you know what i mean yeah and like these for all that the plot is sometimes frustrating i do buy these two characters mm-hmm. i really yeah. do understand why even in the midst of all of the conflict they're just so drawn to each other yes yeah and both of them have real conflict individually and real lives individually him through these brothers and trying to like cultivate this connection to England again and her kind of by virtue of her grandfather's will being her family's means of survival and the way that they're honest with each other about those pressures yeah at least gives them a real thing to bond over yeah in the midst of the lying about the fortunes yeah so like that worked in the context of like a wider problem yeah um and then i have to say thumbs up for interesting locations like (laughs) like there there was one scene then this again this is a pretty sexy book so there are quite a few sexy scenes and only one of them happens in a bedroom yeah so there's also i want a moment to dwell on how hot the kissing scene in the assembly room was oh yeah Mm -hmm. so she's like there's a this is a trope we didn't quite cover but like a semi fake relationship. Yeah. She originally agrees to like go out with him to make Sydney jealous. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Uh, that's something that I didn't like about the book because I really dislike the whole I'm gonna date you to make this other person jealous. Yeah. And, well, I but it's that. such a trope. I have to mention it. It's, oh, it's a huge trope. It's a huge trope. So the first morning he comes calling, she demands that their first date basically end up being at one of Lord Sydney's poetry readings because she can't stand the thought of disappointing him and not showing up. Mm-hmm. And after realizing that Lord Sidney is not a bad poet. <laughs> Alex like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> what like, can trying I to do? figure out, like, I don't actually want a pretend date. I want a real date and marry this woman. Like, how do I handle this? And so before she can go privately compliment Lord Sidney, mm-hmm. he like needs to give her something to remember him by. And they end up having <laughs> this like crazy sexy makeout on table. It, yeah. And, like, the whole thing should not have worked for me because it was driven by possession Mm -hmm. and he was sort of faking his interest. And, like, also sort of, like, daring her into it. Yeah, it was not the best consent, but it is real sexy. It's real sexy. (laughs) Not proud of myself, everyone. No, I mean, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing, though, is these novels address these, like, fantasies, like, there are like yes don't you wish that he you he that some guy could read your mind right like you don't have to just say yes you know when i'm at a poetry reading what i want to do is have my skirts hiked up in a back room by a sexy dude (laughs) with a title i mean all poetry readings could be improved by by explicit (laughs) yes yeah let's be honest let's be honest yeah um but so overall this one was good with some problems but I'm going to give it a highly recommended because I'm so excited to read subsequent books in the series Yeah, and I haven't yet but Meg has and I have every faith that my interest in the storyline will not be disappointed I 
personally, the next two in the series are two of my favorite romance novels of all time. Like, I just really like both of them. Yeah. Um, I really like Draker's story. I really like Burns' story. I don't know. I, I they it works for me. Uh, I will say it had been years and years since I read this first one, so I I think the first one is uh, fine. It sets up the next but two. It sets up the prime. I can't imagine yeah. not having read this one and reading the next two just because I feel like discuss the discussion of the prince yeah. in this one is a lot of it. That's actually. true. That's true. And so I think it sets up why they're not acknowledged when so many other bastards yeah. are and yeah. that sort of thing. So overall, check it out because we'll definitely be reading the next two. We certainly will. And if you enjoy our podcast, you could rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you as always for listening.